excited to share with you a video that if you're watching and you happen to be white like me, well, we can come to terms with our white identity because as you know, being white, the quality of whiteness is not a good thing. So with that, I turn to this random person who's gonna straighten all the white people out. For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic ways that white supremacy affects all of us. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis, and this is The New Normal. Wow, this is The New Normal, actually, and it's totally insane. It's ridiculous. This is from The Washington Post, okay? This is a real company, a real American company owned by Jeff Bezos. And I'm going to learn about my white identity from Nicole. Can you imagine if I told her about her black identity? That wouldn't work, would it? No, it wouldn't work at all. This video, though, gets even more weird. I am originally from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default and whiteness was the comfort. The more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process. No matter how much you work at that, there's still even almost more work to be done. She seems kind of excited to actually be virtue signaling on this level to the Washington Post. And remember, when you start down this pathetic rabbit hole, there's always more work to be done. You'll never be done. They'll never be satisfied, the woke left. White people gotta start getting together, specifically around race. We're unpacking wrong things that we've been taught in history class. I realized that I needed to go back and unpack and reorganize everything that I had learned because it was completely through a white lens. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused. So I looked it up. My ancestors got here in 1890 from Ireland. My great grandfather, he came, uh, what's that, 25 years or so after the Civil War. They said he had a colonial outlook. Could that be a problem? This is all absurd. This is all ugly. This is all an actual series from the Washington Post. This is the kind of training they want to see happening in corporate America. It already is happening in corporate America. All right, a little bit more. In theory, that sounds like a good idea, but I guess I'm curious to hear, like, what are some of the pitfalls or risks that you run if that's the only step you take? The biggest answer is white people don't really understand racism. <laughs> oh, be careful what you say in any of these training sessions. She chuckled when she said racism, and I don't think Nicole likes it very much. Uh, really glaring at our friend there. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, be careful what you say in these things. It could be a trigger. It could set somebody off. And uh, even though you go in there with an open heart, wanting to be fixed, wanting to be reprogrammed, you could get canceled. There's more. There's a different cost for my friends of color to be in relationship with me. So I think one of the things that's really important is ongoing, being a friend on an ongoing basis for lots of different things, not just like thinking about racism as a part of our friendship when there's something horrible that happens. Those relationships are number one for me to um, be there for them as them for me. 
May I suggest getting a cat and leaving it at that? Um, there's something very, very bizarre about all this. You know it, I know it, and you know who else knew it and wasn't afraid to talk about it? Everybody else is Donald Trump, President Trump, last fall. This month, your administration uh, directed federal agencies to end racial sensitivity training that addresses white privilege or critical race theory. Why did you decide to do that, to end racial sensitivity training? And do you believe that there is systemic racism in this country, sir? I ended it because it's racist. I ended it because a lot of people were complaining that they were asked to do things that were absolutely insane, that it was a radical uh, revolution that was taking place in our military, uh, in our schools, all over the place, and you know it, and so does what, everybody what, what else. Radical, and he would know. Uh, what is oh, radical was totally about racist. racial sensitivity training? Sir. If you were a certain person, you had no status in life. It was sort of a reversal. And if you look at the people, we were paying people hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach very bad ideas and, frankly, very sick ideas. And, and really, they were teaching people to hate our country. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Wow, do we miss him or what? Sick ideas, I think that's what we saw in that video. Sick ideas, it's no way to talk to anybody. What was Joe Biden's response? We'll hear a little bit more from uh, President Trump and what does Joe Biden say? We have to go back to the core values of this country. They were teaching people that our country is a horrible place, it's a racist place, and they were teaching people to hate our country. And I'm no not gonna allow that to happen. Vice President Biden? Nobody's doing that. He's just, he's oh, the you, racist. You, you just don't. Here's the deal. I, I know a lot more about you this. Don't than Let him finish. The fact is that there is racial insensitivity. People have to be made aware of what other people feel like. You see right here that Joe Biden is owned by the left, the far left. This, this stuff is crazy talk. That video you just saw. Did you see how President Biden called President Trump racist? He's the racist. Just like that. The word has lost all of its meaning because it's thrown around so casually. And what did he say? People have to understand that people's feelings are hurt. We're going to be lectured on race by Joe Biden. And if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. What about that guy's feelings? You were just talking about that's totally inappropriate. It is, isn't it? We're having a ridiculous conversation about race to avoid having a serious one. And this identity politics conversation also takes us away from Joe Biden's ridiculous policies. And uh, they are. Um, and we're not talking about them enough. Look at this. Hey, folks, listen up. I'm going to tell you about a benefit of the rescue plan you might not know about. And I'm going to ask you to tell your friends and your families about it. You probably got a stimulus check a few months ago. That's from the American Rescue Plan. There's more to the plan than that. It's also expanded the child tax credit. That means if you have a child, you're entitled to $3,000 per year per child between the ages of 6 and 17 and $3,600 per child under the age of 6. Every working family is eligible. If they make up to $150,000 for a couple or $112,000 for a single parent, and thanks to the rescue plan, if you file taxes, the payments will come automatically back to you, and they'll start coming monthly from July until the end of the year. But here's the thing. In general, the parents who need the most help 
to make ends meet don't actually have to file taxes. They don't make enough money, but they can still get this credit. You just have to go to childtaxcredit.gov and they'll find the link to the non-filer sign-up. Those folks won't get the benefits if they don't sign up for them. That's where you come in. If you have children but didn't file taxes in the last couple of years, go to childtaxcredit.gov. Everything will be great. The government will do it all. Folks are weighing in. They see this as um, the welfare state and another incentive to not work. We'll have Grover Norquist come by in just a little bit to discuss. In the meantime, whenever they want to add an extra layer, you notice they do that strange thing with the camera. I'll be looking this way, but the camera will look at me that way. And somehow it seems like it's more important. I think it's a phony trick. Phony Hollywood trick that Joe can't pull off. All right, stay with us. Good stuff to come. Checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson. You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? This show epitomizes the fake news. Morning Joe, Morning Swamp. A very interesting uh, admission, observation. Who's really in control of the federal government? Who was in charge of our foreign policy when President Trump was president? They say it wasn't President Trump. I think to the certain extent, the Russians didn't trust Donald Trump to actually be able to run the federal government, to be able to run the foreign policy machine. And there's statements over the weekend that suggest that they recognize that Joe Biden actually is in charge. And therefore, you know, even though Biden's not always going to do what they want, at least there's some clarity in terms of what the United States is going to do, which was certainly not the case uh, with his predecessor. So if Joe Biden is really in charge, you think that Joe Biden is more hands on, more involved, more detail oriented than Donald Trump? No, it just means that the deep state is not out to undermine, trip up Biden the way they were Trump. Another guy said the same thing, essentially. I think what the Russians realized, there was Donald Trump's foreign policy, and then there was the administration's foreign policy. And the administration's foreign policy was quite, uh, quite tough, quite uh, traditional. They tried to trip up Trump every step of the way. The deep state, it is real. It's a real thing. There are people there. And they hated Donald Trump. They hated that he was in power. They thought they had the power. Unelected bureaucrats, unelected specialists throughout the government. Donald Trump knew it even when he was president. Thank you very much. Oh, one for Dr. Fauci and then hopefully one yeah, for you. Sure. And, and one thing, uh, Secretary of State Pompeo is extremely busy. So if you have any question for him right now, could you do that? Because you know what I'd like to do? I'd like him to go back to the State Department or as they call it, the Deep State Department. You know, my... I'd like to have him go back and uh, do his job. So does anybody have any question? Please. Fauci actually found that pretty funny, and it was pretty funny, but it was also true. What this president, President Trump, could have accomplished if the bureaucracy wasn't out to trip him up. We'll see next time. I think he uh, make a few changes, if it happens again. All right, also this in Chicago, a horrible shooting, lots of people around. 
and uh, see two people shot right there on the ground. Uh, one is in critical condition, one dead, husband and wife. Uh, this video went viral, and all kinds of folks had observations to make. Well, like maybe the people who were shot deserved it because of that flag, a Confederate flag, they said. Watch this, look at this tweet from, uh, who's this guy, Richard Tate. He is the founder of the Democracy Preservation Initiative. I'm sorry, is that a Confederate flag? They're flying from their car, trolling that neighborhood? No, you nitwit, it was a Puerto Rican flag. A Puerto Rican flag, huh? A lot of libs weighed in like that. Don't know what they're talking about, terrible. That brings us to this. Black lives do matter, not the way the Black Lives Movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. Black lives matter, all lives matter. The life of two-year-old Bryson Christian mattered. Shot and killed last Thursday on I-75 in Detroit. Bryson was in the car with his parents and nine-year-old brother. They were coming back from the brother's basketball practice. Uh, there were multiple gunshots at the car. Uh, Bryson's father... Couldn't believe it when he realized that both of his sons were shot. Bryson in the head and BJ, the older brother, in the arm. Bryson died. BJ survived. Prosecutors say the two shooters mistakenly targeted the wrong truck. The two shooters were identified as 19-year-old Darius Lanier and 21-year-old Eugene Hubbard, both arrested and charged with first-degree murder on Sunday. Bryson's uncle is a member of the Detroit Police Department. Today, Detroit Police Chief James White announced the launch of Operation Bryson in his honor. Today I'm announcing uh, Operation Bryson. And what Operation Bryson is going to be is a coordinated effort with neighboring police agencies that have freeway veins that run through their community. Uh, we're going to partner. We're going to use eyes in the sky, uh, air support, uh, and we're going to provide patrols on freeways, Detroit and other agencies to ensure that we're looking out for road rage incidents, violence. Uh, so situations like this, I won't say won't happen again, but, but certainly we will have the necessary attention to make sure that they're at least reduced, but hopefully uh, eliminated. Bryson Christian, two years old. GoFundMe page has been established. Pound sign or hashtag justice for Bryson. Just two years old. All right, folks, stay with us. We will be back in a moment with Eric Trump. We're joined by Eric Trump, executive vice president of the Trump Organization, and of course, uh, son of the former president of the United States. Eric, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Hey, Greg, it's great to be back. We're doing, uh, we're doing very well, my friend. We're doing very, very well. Uh, indeed. I don't like the harassment that is uh, still taking place, it seems, yeah. of your dad and, you know, people, uh, side bands snooping around. Um, is everything settled? Uh, what's 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 the score right now? Yeah, well, listen, the score is the same as it's been for the last, you know, five years, frankly. It's still do anything to try and disqualify my father. They know he's, you know, the strongest political force, Greg, on, on, on this side of the aisle by far. There's never been anybody who's had the following of him. There's never been anybody who's had the support of my father, and they'll do anything they can to try and take the guy down. And uh, they did it with Russia, and they did it with Ukraine, and you saw how they went after his Supreme Court justices, and they tried to impeach him when he was out of office. And, you know, these people will just never stop. Uh, they will never, ever stop. And 
Um, every single day they come after our family, they subpoena our family, they attack our family with one goal in mind, and that's to disqualify and discredit and harass um, a p political rival. And, you know, Greg, it's something that you would think you'd see in a third world country. I never thought uh, that America would ever see that kind of behavior. And, um, you know, but this is the game that the Democrats play. They weaponize legal systems every single day. And, um, you know, the good news is we're really honest people. Uh, we've got absolutely nothing to hide from. And frankly, they've been at it for five and a half years, right? If they had something, wouldn't they have done something about it already? But um, again, this is the U.S. political system, and it's uh, devolved um, in a major way. And it's just something that, you know, we deal with every single day because we don't have a choice and we just keep on fighting. And Greg, we're going to win it again one of these days. I promise you that we're going to win it again and we're going to stop this nonsense. Well, Eric, you and your family have sacrificed so much. They were harassing you while your father was president before and yep. now after. And I don't like it one bit. And by the way, they're often doing the other side what they accuse uh, our side of doing. Uh, here is Joe Biden making a pledge uh, during the campaign. No one in my family will have an office in the White House, will sit in meetings as if they're a cabinet member, will in fact have any business relationship with anyone that rely, re, relates to a foreign corporation or a foreign country. Period. Period. End of story. You know, when you've been around for 50 years in politics, um, you know the rules so well, you know how to get around them. <laughs> and I want to point this out right now. The uh, Biden administration has all kinds of people related to each other. Let's go through it. Steve Ricchetti, the White House counsel. Uh, he's got family members throughout the administration all over the place. Uh, Jen Psaki, her sister, actually has a pretty big job in the administration as well. Uh, senior advisor, Health and Human Services. And it goes on and on. Ron Klain and his wife, uh, the deputy White House chief of staff, Bruce Wheat Reed, has a daughter in the administration. The national security advisor, Jake Sullivan has several relatives all over the place. Um, again, it's not quite like I said before. He knows the rules so well. He knows what he can get away with. So, Greg, so, you know, let me ask maybe two questions. First of all, so it's OK for Hunter Biden to sit on Ukrainian energy boards and it's OK for him to sell, you know, arts and crafts paintings that he's doing in his basement for five hundred thousand dollars to undisclosed purchasers around the world. But um you know, but 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 that that's not having a job in the administration. I'd say that's having a job in the administration. The other really interesting thing is I had three family members in the administration. Uh, my father, who was president, my sister and Jared Kushner and my sister and Jared Kushner and my father were also passionate about the actual cause at hand. You know what they did? They turned down their salary and they were actually taxed on a salary that they didn't take because of income. Right. Because it's it's you know, it's effectively a donation back to the government, they gave up every single penny of their salary and they did amazing things. They, the, what my sister did for women's rights in the country was unbelievable. What she did for, you know, paid family leave was incredible. What Jerry did in terms of creating, you know, peace in the Middle East and negotiating peace in the Middle East, how hard he worked on that project and so much other, you know, great stuff. And guess what? They made absolutely zero from that. I want to go see what all those people that you just mentioned a second ago, I want to see how much money they make. What, what are their salaries? Are any of them foregoing their salaries? Is Joe Biden, is the president of the United States like my father did, is he foregoing his salary? I don't think so. They never have. They've been grifters on this government for their entire lives. Joe Biden has never had an actual job. Neither has his son other than 
frankly, selling access to the United States government. Hmm. Um, and it's disgusting. And, you know, my sister never did it. She never took a penny and she was incredibly effective. And you know what? I wish we actually had effective people like Ivanka and Jared uh, within this, uh, this White House. Something might actually get done because when you look at their policies, they are destroying this country every single day. And it wasn't a secret, of course. Jared and uh, your sister, we saw them every day. It was understood. And uh, and there they were. And you mentioned the one the buck a year salary. And let's talk about Hunter Biden. Nobody thinks he's a real painter, but uh, this does seem to be a scam, according to, by the way, uh, the Obama administration's chief ethicist. There's a guy named uh, Walter Schaub. He's kind of big on Twitter. And he reported this. Let's let foreign governments or anyone else funnel hundreds of thousands of dollars anonymously to POTUS's relatives through subjectively priced commodities like hotel charges, real estate purchases and art. Oh, wait, art is completely different. You see what he's getting at here. So uh, this is a real this is a real uh, issue. Well, listen, what's the latest on 2024? Um, where's his yeah. heart right now? What can you tell us? There are a lot of people who want him back, but I would imagine he's taking it, you know, he wants to wait and see. Yeah, well, well, well Greg, a lot of people want him back to say the least. You know, I, I, there's half this country right now that feels like they don't have a spokesperson. They have no voice. Uh, you've got another major amount of the country who thinks that they made a terrible mistake um, electing this guy. There's a lot of questions on that, but a lot of people are saying well, we made a major mistake. You see what's happening to fuel prices. You see what's happening to commodity prices. You see what's happening with inflation around the world. You see what's happening with Putin literally hacking our, our countries, the lack of respect. You see what's happening, the mess that's the southern border, millions of people coming over the southern border. Crime is spiking all throughout the country, and I could go on and on. And, you know, you have a lot of people out there who say, you know, I really miss Trump. You know, I might not have liked every single tweet he sent. But the guy was incredibly effective. We had the best economy and we had the lowest unemployment. I mean, you have businesses, Greg, all over this country that can't even open up because they can't get employees because of these ridiculous stimulus packages. And there's a lot of people that are missing Trump. And I think every single day that Biden messes up our nation, I think it further incentivizes my father um, and frankly, our entire family to do it again. And I've told you this offline. I think 2022 is going to be an absolute bloodbath for the for the Democrats. I mean, I think we're absolutely going to do incredibly well. I think 2024 is going to surprise everybody. And um, and uh, li listen, he's making it easy. This guy is making it easy with his uh, with his incompetence. And um, we're going to walk through that door. I'm telling you, we're going to. Um, we're going to walk through that door. I'm glad because the door is open at 2022 and 2024. The door, the door, it's a big door and it's very open, Greg. Yes, indeed. Well, Eric Trump, executive vice president of the Trump Organization, um, also husband of Laura. Give her our best and all those kids as well and your dad. Will. To be continued, many thanks, Eric Trump. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Grover Norquist joins us, president of Americans for Tax Reform. Sir, privileged to have you on Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be with you. Uh, so look. Joe Biden, this announcement about uh, big tax credits and actually tax incentives for children. I want to play this and then we'll uh, discuss. OK, go ahead. Sure. And thanks to the rescue plan, 
If you file taxes, the payments will come automatically back to you, and they'll start coming monthly from July until the end of the year. But here's the thing. In general, the parents who need the most help to make ends meet don't actually have to file taxes. They don't make enough money, but they can still get this credit. You just have to go to childtaxcredit.gov, and they'll find the link to the non-filer sign-up. Those folks won't get the benefits if they don't sign up for them. That's where you come in. If you have children but didn't file taxes in the last couple of years, go to childtaxcredit.gov. Mr. Norquist, what do you think of this? Uh, every scam artist in the country heard him tell them where to go to to get free money from the government. Uh, we've found out over the years that when the government does refundable tax credits, which look a lot like welfare spending, because it's not you are going to pay a thousand, you only pay five hundred. It's you weren't paying anything, and we're sending you a thousand dollars. People do that, and they're not always Americans. They're not always citizens. They may be Americans who uh, already are, you know, maybe filing several different names. This is an opportunity to continue the kind of problems we've had with the earned income tax credit and some others, with a fair amount of fraud and misdirection. We've seen this with some of the the cash payments that uh, this government made under Biden, which are running up overseas. Uh, You're asking the IRS, which doesn't do its present job very well, to get into the business of welfare spending, because they're mixing tax collection and welfare spending, and the IRS isn't doing the tax collection bit terribly well. They're not likely to do this new job uh, either, And they're trying to get more and more Americans to live on a check from the government and to get more people dependent on government spending and therefore say to them, you better vote for us if you want to keep getting paid. Wow. So that's it. That's it. It's uh, it's about staying in power. And by the way, he seems to say out loud, like, yeah, if you've never (laughs) if we haven't heard from you, sign up. There's something kind of sketchy about that approach. All those nice people from Nigeria that want you to, you know, take care of money for them and so on, they'll be filing for for this sort of thing uh, as well. And it's very difficult to police against this. The IRS has not done a good job in the past. The earned income tax credit has not done a good job in policing in the past. The Biden administration just recently has seen significant problems as a result of this. Uh, There are very, very real challenges. But here's the worst bit. The Republicans cut taxes in 2017. And in 2019, the median income for a family of four, about $62,000, saw a $4,000 pay increase, $4,400 pay increase in one year, 2019, a 6.8% increase, $4,000. He's running around saying, I'm going to give you $1,000 that I'm stealing from somebody else or borrowing from the future or inflating the currency with. You should be helped glad about what I'm doing. What we should do is stay with the the Republican tax cut of 2017, which increased uh, investment to make workers more productive, which took the average or the median income person and up $4,000 in one year alone. Then that's your money. You owned it. What Biden wants to say is, I'll give you money you didn't earn, you don't own, and you only get because of me. So do what I say. What Republicans said was, You earn it, we're going to make it easier for you to earn more, and it's yours, and you keep it, and you earned it. There's a big difference between those. And by the way, $4,000 is bigger than $1,000. 
Right now, we have a lot of people who uh, don't have to work. They're getting paid to not work, and it's really driving some employers crazy. It's really challenging them. One dropped by uh, not too long ago. Take a look at this. I'm, I'm working behind the counter now. I've been in business for 40 years. I'm, I'm making hamburgers again. I'm, you know, I'm cooking, and I'm, I'm carrying trays. It's okay with me, but nobody wants to work. It's ridiculous. I mean, we call the people up. We say, come back to work. They say, why should I come back to work? I'm getting $45,000 a year. I stay home, watch TV. He's an owner of a business, a pretty big business, and uh, you heard what he's going through. And yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of this going on, and there are huge incentives to stay home. Well, what Biden's doing is turning us into Europe, where you have a lot of younger people who don't work, they either stay in school year after year after year, piling up debt, but not being productive, or on unemployment, which in Europe can be pretty cushy. They're trying to make it that way here. The challenge the Democrats have is there are 50 states, and we've seen 50 states take a different approach. Those states that threw a lot of money into welfare, people are not coming back to work. Blue states have an unemployment rate 2% higher than red states. So it's policy. It's the open up the economy policy that gets more people working. It's the don't add $300 or $600 every week to the unemployment numbers, to the unemployment pay, in order to encourage people to go back to work. That matters. So the failure of the blue states is going to be obvious compared to red states. I think you're going to see a lot of Democratic governors lose elections across the country because as we come out of the pandemic, we look backwards and say the shutdowns were excessive. The uh, interference with our liberties was too excessive. And by the way, the welfare was so high that people didn't come back to work in the states with more welfare. It was worse. The states with less welfare and less unemployment add-ons. People went to work, got their self-respect back, got back into the habit of going to work every day. This is damaging people in blue states for years to come. Grover Norquist, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, uh, all you've done over the years and will continue to do. Grover Norquist, check him out, at Grover Norquist on Twitter. He's the president of the Americans for Tax Reform. Sir, many thanks. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. The land of the free honors the bravest of the brave for their sacred pledge to protect our freedom, our constitution, and our way of life. We will always remember you. We will always salute you. For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic ways that white supremacy affects all of us. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis, and this is The New Normal. Uh, the New Normal is totally insane. <laughs> Uh, that's from the Washington Post, and she's giving us lessons, uh, me, in uh, how to be white, whiteness, white identity. It's so silly and stupid but also potentially dangerous, in my opinion. I'd like to bring in Rob Carson. He is the host of What in the World with Rob Carson right here on Newsmax. Welcome to you, sir. And Ellis Hennigan, welcome back. Dow Jones, Market Watch columnist, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, gentlemen, first to you, Rob. Uh, this stuff is um, not going away. It's getting real. It's getting, 
It's really being shoved down our throats, it seems. Uh, it's a little ridiculous. And by the way, I'm short on time. I got to go to my white accountability group meeting tonight. No, actually, just the opposite. I belong to a group called White Guys Who Aren't Going to Apologize for Anything Because We Didn't Do Anything Wrong. Uh, honestly, this is absurd. This would be like uh, 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 France apologizing for taking Manon Lascaux, which is where all the cave paintings are, uh, from the Neanderthals, if there are some, you know, some uh, descendants of that, or, or, or Spain apologizing for the conquistadors going to Central and South America for or five years ago. It's absolute nonsense. Uh, I have nothing to feel guilty about, Greg. You have nothing to feel guilty about. Uh, my relatives came here uh, after the turn of the last century. It was a melting pot. We weren't, most Americans weren't descendants of slave keepers, and we weren't descendants of, uh, of the, yeah. of the col colonialists. It's ridiculous. Well, Rob, you know what? Uh, you may feel that way. I may feel that way, but a lot of white people are buying this stuff, uh, including this young woman from Oklahoma. I believe this is our second clip. Take a look, please. I am originally from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default and whiteness was the comfort. The more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process. No matter how much you work at that, there's still even almost more work to be done. Ellis, this was produced by the Washington Post, owned by Amazon. Uh, Jeff Bezos, smart people, you would think. What's your reaction to all this talk? <laughs> Let me put both of your minds to ease, if I can. I, I know a lot of white people, and I don't know any of them who are going to white accountability groups. That's just a that's just a goofy idea. I'm sorry. However, however. We can't get away from the fact that we do still have problems with race in this society. Uh, wealth is distributed ridiculously. Black people still do have a lot of challenges that us white people don't. And we got to be able to talk about it honestly. And it's easy to make fun of some goofy thing like this. But don't use that, guys, as a way to avoid what are really the tough and difficult and, frankly, pretty important issues here. Don't hide behind this stuff. No, I, I just, when you say us white guys, and I hear that a lot from, quite frankly, white guys, like we're all, we're all the same. White. Excuse I mean, me, excuse white, me. You know? We're all, Ellis, Rob, you guys are different. You've had different lives, different challenges. Uh, there are people from all over the economic. What binds us right now is not our white skin, in my opinion. Um, and when I hear that, it makes me kind of upset because there's a trickle-down effect. Um, you know, people who are comfortable start to say, oh, I'm a white guy. What do I know? Rob, you know what I mean. I think that there's a uh, – because it working-class people, perhaps, are not feeling very good when white guys are putting themselves down. Well, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Until you recognize the decay of uh, what's happening in America's inner cities, started with the uh, the uh, war on poverty with uh, Lyndon Johnson, we will never get past this. As far as uh, income risk distribution, I'm not a billionaire like Oprah Winfrey. There are a lot of people who have been able to be extremely successful in this country, regardless of their of their skin color. Uh, I don't owe anybody. I grew up as a poor kid on a farm in Iowa. We got free government cheese when I was a child. I was made fun of every day of my life until my freshman year when I beat the crap out of Mike McKee. So honestly, I don't want to hear about victimhood. I'm a generation extra. We were braised to be colorblind. I do not have any uh, any uh, bias, whether it is external or internal. And this is all nonsense. We've got to look at the real problems of the, the country, the decay of the African-American family in inner cities, and the violence, which is 13 times the national murder rate in cities like Chicago. 80% of uh, black families in Minneapolis have fatherless homes. So let's start talking about that 
before we talk about income inequality, because honestly, that's just buzzwords for covering up societal issues and bad Democrat policy. And you know what? Thank you, Rob. Wow. And <laughs> if there is systemic racism, systemic racism, that's a big term. And I actually heard President Trump, when he was president, acknowledge, yeah, maybe we got a problem there. But that's the system. We're taking individuals in group settings uh, like that person from Oklahoma with their glasses and making her feel responsible for the system. And it's not her fault, Ellis. Well, but you got to face some facts, though. I mean, Rob, Rob just told me about how terrible things are for all the black folks that live in the cities. Maybe we ought to accept that reality and try to do something about it. I mean, it is a fact. I know you guys don't want to talk about it, but it is a fact that black people have far less wealth than white people. They have far less education. They have far worse jobs. I mean, those are just realities. It seems to me if we want to be honest, moral people, we got to try and get our heads around that and try and solve it. Don't just uh, find some stupid person saying something dumb and pretend like that's the whole answer. I mean, you know, Ellis, though, the thing about it is this is not some wacky video that we found in the depths of the internet. This is the Washington Post. This is a big deal. The government, they're actually doing this. President Trump rejected it. This racial sensitivity training is happening in corporate America and in government. This isn't just some fly-by-night weirdo stuff. This is real. This is happening. And Rob, that's why I'm glad you're saying what you're saying. Honestly, guys, um, uh, you have to address the societal issues that are affecting uh, black people. A lot of this is, and you can just say what you want, I'm a racist, whatever, poor decisions uh, made in their lives. Listen, there are a lot of white people. I got a lot of white, you know, my family. Uh, you know, we've got some, a lot of uh, poverty in my family as well. And it's not because anybody tried to keep them down. It's just they made poor life decisions, just the, the, the way it is. Uh, poor life decisions and poor Democrat policy attempting to make lives better for African-American families like the uh, the, uh, the program uh, uh, Aid for Dependent Children, which effectively destroyed the uh, uh, black family. They had agents who would actually go to black homes to see if the father was there. If the father was there, they lost the money that they were uh, promised from the government. So this is, until we look at the real problems in the African-American community, like a 60% abortion rate, like an 80% fatherless home rate, like kids dropping out of schools, like kids joining gangs, like the 13 times the national average murder rate, until we realize that's not Whitey's problem, we won't be able to fix well, it. Well, all right, Ellis, you know what? Barack Obama, <laughs> Barack Obama did talk sure. about that. We're not going to call it Whitey, but Barack Obama Good, did thanks. talk about those issues with the African-American family, African-American fathers. He said they're AOL, uh, AWOL and MIA. He said that in early 2008, back when he was trying to win us over. And now he doesn't talk about that. He talks all about systemic racism, white supremacy, not what that community can do from within. Clearly, personal responsibility is, needs to be part of this conversation. But don't hide from the facts, guys. I mean, it is not true, Rob, that uh, all black people are just these lazy, horrible people. The he way didn't you say that. Come on, Ellis. He didn't say that. That is a, that is a stereotype that is Nonsense. not an appropriate. Seriously, let me finish my sentence, if I might. That is not a stereotype that reflects the reality of life in America. People are poor. They're suffering from that poverty. And we got to try and figure out how we're going to solve that. Don't just point fingers. That doesn't help anything. Well, I'm not I, pointing I, fingers. Rob, I'm just saying 
that that there are personal decisions you make in your life. Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, I could go on and on. Uh, they made positive decisions in their lives and they were driven. They came from, they lifted themselves out of poverty. And don't ever, ever say that I think black people are lazy. Dear Lord in heaven, there are a lot of white people who make very, very bad decisions and, and maybe they are lazy. But don't, don't stereotype me like that. I really, I've been working with inner city kids for the last 30 years, fostering and adopting kids and building up kids in inner cities working with black kids to make black lives better. And I don't want to see another generation go down the tubes like the last two have. We're going well, to leave it I'm there. So, uh, I'm so fun. happy to hear that, Robin. Do me a favor, if you will. Yes. Try and have yeah. a more broad view about the realities. Don't pretend it's their fault all the time. No, 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 no. He, Ellis, in fairness, he didn't, he, didn't, yeah, he didn't say any of that. He didn't say it. It's all, he, did, he didn't say that. But listen, I, I like you guys. I like you nonetheless. Ellis, Ellis Hennigan. Good to see you all. Great writer. Ellis, we'll see you over there at Market Watch. And uh, Rob Carson, your show, by the way, is right here and, on and Newsmax, Saturdays at 9 o'clock, Sundays at 2 o'clock. Many thanks. I'll be right back. Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. All right, that's all the time we have. Stand by for Stinchfield, and I'll see you tomorrow.